0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, bethelbible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. (laughs) Is that what you're worried about? Let me see if I can find a stand that will raise. That'll be the first first piece of work here. Ready? I'll steal one. Oh no, that's not. That's got an iPad on it. That would that would break. All right. Yes, my name is Greg Brandenburg. Does this one work? Yep, you're good to go. All right. Eric Barton has the day off. I always wanted to say that. It's like 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 on the nightly news, local news folks. Yes. Eric asked me a couple weeks ago if I would if I would preach this service. He told me that the uh, the Advent series is over, and we'll be picking back up in the John series next week. So we'll return to John next week. And uh, I said, "Well, what would you like me to preach on today?" He said, "I don't care." So uh, so I'm 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 titled so so our Advent series was called the gift, and we're returning to John. So. I've created a one-week sermon series in which I'm titling it The Gift Return, so I thought that was clever. I thought that was pretty clever. Good deal. Family service. I was hoping there were kiddos here, so I, I'm going to need some help because uh, there's this, as I was working through the sermon today, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. I'm going to return to John. and. And I'm going to preach a sermon that's already been preached all the way back in September, but it's John 1, and it's, it's, it's rich, and, um, and I love it. But this, the song that kept going through my head as I was preparing for this, is a song that I learned when I was a kid. I'm guessing they, I don't know, maybe they don't sing this anymore in, in kids' church or anything like that. Do they, there's a song called This Little Light of Mine. Are you familiar with that song at all? Is that, still, is that still a, a song? Yeah, and it like has a hand motion too, right? Can you can all kids help me with this? Okay, so I need some help because I don't know if I remember it for sure. Do you remember this song, This Little Light? So if you can help sing this out with me and help the adults near you because they probably don't remember this, right? So it go, I think it goes, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah, that's it. That's the song. That's the one that kept going through my head. That's awesome. Now, I need a volunteer. Who, who can tell me what we're singing about there? What is this light that we're singing about? Does anybody know? Well, we have someone back here. What is that light that we're singing about? Jesus. Big hand. That's exactly right. And, and that's actually my whole sermon. So thank you, because <laughs> if we get nothing else out of it, we got this fact, is that the light that within us is the light of Jesus Christ, right? But let me tell you, kids, you, you need to know something about adults. And, and as we get older, sometimes the, the meaning of the song kind of changes. And so, so we sing this little light of mine, and, and, we, and we have our light up, and we know that the song's about Jesus. But, but as we get older, we start to emphasize the, the mind part, and, and, the, and the finger starts to turn this way. And, and we sing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We get kind of possessive, and we try to impress people, and we forget to let the light of Jesus Christ shine through us, because we think that it's our light that we need to shine. This is, this is obvious to me uh, every Christmas. Um, I, was, I was walking around the day after Christmas, and one of my neighbors was already putting their, their Christmas stuff up. And I thought, you heretic. How, you don't want to be, by the way, you don't want to be in your neighborhood the first one that puts away their Christmas lights, because you're like the person who killed Christmas, right? You're the one who signifies the fact that it's completely over. Uh, we we uh, moved into a house uh, five years ago. We've been in the house for five years. When we bought the house, uh, the guy was the original owner, and he, and he took me up in the attic, and he said, I'm going to leave these with you. He showed me boxes and boxes of Christmas lights. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I get the house and the Christmas lights. That's cool. I won't have to buy Christmas lights so I can put up the Christmas lights. And he gave me a set of instructions, a very detailed set of instructions of of how to put the Christmas lights up and so I remember that first Christmas going ahead and um, I'm not a real good instruction um, follower uh, so I kinda followed his instructions and I kept blowing fuses they were the old Christmas lights that you could you can't link many of those together I found out so I, I tried to string them out I realized as I'm doing it this this guy must have had the entire yard covered with Christmas lights so I did the best I could. I got a few lights up. Um, it looked good, I thought. I was pretty happy with it. But then we started getting comments from the neighbors. And they would come up to me and they would say, oh, you're the, or you're the new guy. You're the, you moved into, I'll protect the innocent, I'll change the name. You, oh, you moved into the Johnson's house. I said, yeah, that's, my wife and I live there now. They said, oh, they had the most beautiful house at Christmas time. <laughs> oh, the inadequacy, I felt like I had totally let the neighborhood down, uh, but, but I've, I've come to realize that's kind of a, a picture of, of our life, is, is, is trying to keep up appearances. We do that at Christmas time, right? We have a lot of expectations at Christmas time. We want it to be perfect, and when Christmas is coming, and now we're, we're at the post-Christmas lull, right, where we realize I couldn't make everything perfect. And so what, what is that, the, the Grinch, right, where uh, I couldn't keep Christmas from coming? Uh, uh, you may feel inadequate, too, about the fact that Christmas went pretty well for you and you had family, but you, and now you can't keep Christmas from leaving. There is, there is an inadequacy we feel over time as well as Christmas goes away. Um, that's the light that we, that we intend to shine, that we intend to impress people with, that, that talks about in John 1, the light that came into the world. So if you'll turn to John 1 with me, let's take a look as we review what we've already talked about in John 1. But what we'll see is three things. John 1 reveals Jesus Christ as the Logos and the light and the life. Okay, We'll talk about those three things again. The Logos, the light, and the life. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And so we'll talk about these three, three things um, this morning. That first one is that Jesus Christ is the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. Now you'll notice that John is different in terms of the way that it starts. For instance, uh, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think Eric has said, are the synoptic Gospels. They cover, they cover the perspective of Jesus Christ from a historical and a linear perspective. Uh, but when we get to John, it, it begins very differently. It starts with, in the beginning was the Word. Now, why doesn't John just say, in the beginning was Jesus? And Jesus was God. Jesus, but John starts with a different take. He says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, there were a couple of things going on at, the, at this time. So John is writing to the Roman Empire. And, and in the Roman Empire, uh, kind of like our culture, the Romans were, were religious. Uh, they weren't opposed to people worshiping God. A matter of fact, they were pantheists. They had many gods. Uh, so the Romans were completely okay with you worshiping God, but, but when it came to public discourse, uh, they preferred that you leave your religion back in your temples. In the public discourse, they had the, they had the philosophers. And one of the, one of the uh, groups of philosophers that was, uh, that was very strong at the time were the Stoics. You may have heard of the Stoics. You've probably heard of someone who has a Stoic personality as being fairly flat. Um, uh, and that's kind of the way the Stoics were. They approached life from a very dispassionate point of view. Uh, their, their kind of position was, uh, if you don't expect too much of life, um, you won't be disappointed. So that was kind of Stoic thought. Stoicism was founded in Athens. It was, it was a Greek philosophy that extended into the Roman Empire. And it, and it started 300 years before John wrote this gospel. Um, the school uh, taught that virtue was the highest good and, and that it's based on knowledge and the wise live in harmony with the divine reason. The divine reason which they believed uh, gave the world order uh, that created the world and that sustained the world, they called that the Logos. Okay? So the Stoics believed in something called the Logos. They talked about this thing called the, the Logos which was this divine order of things. They didn't believe in a personal God, it was a philosophy, but they believed that there was a, an order to things in the universe in which they called the Logos. So when John speaks, in the beginning was the Word, if, if the Stoics are listening to John, that's very comfortable to them. They understand what he's saying. In the beginning, sure, in the beginning was the Word, that's what they believed. They believed that you that in order to live in a well-ordered life, that you, you were to live in harmony with this divine reason, and you were to live in harmony with the Logos uh, that came. Uh, and, and so that's what, that's what they believed. And, and so this was also addressed by Paul um, in Athens. Because uh, Paul spoke in Athens in 1 Corinthians, he said, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So even Paul encountered the uh, the Stoics, and he did so in Athens, Greece. Uh, Now, why do I give you this lecture uh, on Stoicism? It's because I'm wearing this plaid um, sweater, and I look like an academic. That's so. It's very no, not at all. The, the reason why we're talking about Stoicism, number one, is because that is, the, that is the context in which John speaks and need to understand that what he's talking to, they're very much attuned to. But the other thing is that Stoicism, this old ancient philosophy, has come back. Uh, Stoicism is actually very in vogue uh, in this day and age. Uh, you'll find in the bookstore uh, reprints of the Stoic philosophers, uh, Epictetus, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, you'll easily find their writings, and, and you can have access to those. But there are modern writers, such as, uh, there's a man by the name of Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he's a very popular podcast host. He wrote, a very, uh, he wrote a bestseller called The Four-Hour Workweek. Well, who wouldn't want to read a book called The Four-Hour Workweek, right? But, but that work is based on the tenets of Stoicism. Um, so he is he is very much in tune with stoic philosophy. Uh, stoic philosophy is the basis of of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy if any of you are are counselors or psychologists in a room even even values education in school purports it, 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 it works well with with stoicism in that it is values devoid of uh, a worship of a god. They even have um, you 've heard of comic cons the, the Stoics today have something called a Stoic Con. Wouldn't that be exciting to go to? Um. They even have a devotional, by the way. 366 Meditations for Clarity is Stoic philosophy in, in a devotional. So you see it's very much an alternative to faith as you can believe in this philosophy and put your life based on this philosophy. It's actually explained this way by by an author who wrote uh, a Stoic work recently called The Philosophy for Life. He explains Stoicism this way. He says, Stoicism, the ancient Greek philosophy that first appeared in Athens around 300 B.C. is enjoying a modern revival. As Christianity recedes in Western societies, people are discovering they still need a life philosophy to help them through life's inescapable suffering. This is what people are turning to, away from Christianity and to Stoicism. He says, many have turned to Eastern philosophies. Indeed, an all-party parliamentary group on mindfulness last month more or less anointed secular Buddhism as the UK's official religion. But others are looking for something a bit closer to home, and Stoicism is is in some ways a homegrown alternative to Buddhism, offering similar practical advice in how to control one's thoughts, uh, uh, guide one's value judgments, and heal one's negative emotions. And so as our world uh, kicks out Christianity from public discourse, it turns to this, Stoicism. Uh, John's message to the Stoics was the Logos, the eternally existent life force that created and sustains all things. He has come. Again, the first three verses of John 1 aren't going to necessarily bother the Stoics. They would be very comfortable with what John states there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things are made through him. The Stoics would have said, yeah, duh, we've got that. But John goes on to say, and down in verse 14, John identifies the Word. And he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So John just doesn't leave it there, but identifies for the Stoics this person of Jesus Christ. So there, was, so there was John writing to the Stoics and identifying their Logos and telling them that this Christ has come and has brought this life. Now now the Jews also were, uh, would be listening to John at the time and they also believed in something called the Word, but it was unlike that of the Stoics. Of course, uh, the Jews would have understood the Word uh, as being the Word of God. They they understood that the word of God was used in creation and that the, u- the word of God was used in human affairs. So they would have been completely comfortable with that. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was said when God would speak to a prophet that the word of the Lord came. So they would have understood an, an idea of, of the word. They would have been comfortable with that. And and they would have understood the word of God being the law, which they believed existed eternally as well. The law of God existed, and then God gave the law through Moses. Uh, Either way, Stoics or Jews both had the same problem in that they were trying to achieve a godliness without God. That's what the Stoics would do. They they divorced an idea uh, that there is a personal God, but they they wanted to have the, the moralness of a religion, and and the Jews at the time that John John writes had had uh, rejected Jesus Christ as their messiah and were still holding to a law and a way of salvation that was very much self-centered the pharisees had taught that if you wanted to to be saved that you that there was a way to save yourself and so and so they were caught up in that what we would call legalism as they approached it, so so both groups that John writes to are trying to achieve godliness without a God. They are trying to be seen as spiritual uh, without a spirit, and, and trying to gain salvation without a Savior. John five thirty nine through through forty. John says, you, writing this, the words of Christ speaking to the Jews. He says, you study the scriptures diligently. Because you think that in them you have eternal life, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Christ came to say, I, I am that Logos, I am the word, I am the fulfillment of all the things that you've been talking about, whether, you, whether it's the Stoics and their philosophy, or whether it's the Jews and their religion, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment, he is the Logos. But John also describes Jesus Christ as the light. The light being, uh, in, in my mind, the long-expected Messiah. We left off in the Advent series, do you remember where we left off? And that, The last thing that we, we read was Isaiah chapter 9, which talks about the coming Messiah and about the fact that when Isaiah was written, the world was a dark place for the people of God. And they were waiting for a light to come the good news is that that light came. Matthew writes and says that that prophecy written back in Isaiah chapter 9 was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Matthew 4 states, leaving Nazareth, that Christ went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. So Jesus Christ is the light. He is the long-expected Messiah that came as the fulfillment to that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. That light is God's revelation. John one eighteen says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Interesting that Greek is that he has exegeted him. You want to know what God the Father is like? Jesus Christ has come. He is the light. He has made him known. He has exegeted him. He has fully explained who God the Father is. Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the God the Father. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. This is Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. And many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus Christ is the light. But John then says there's a big problem in that we, we reject the light. The light has come. Jesus Christ has revealed who God the Father is, but the world did not receive him. It says he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Well, how did they miss it? Well, John says that they either didn't recognize him because they were looking for someone else, or they didn't receive him, and I like to say you're you're only able to believe what you're willing to receive. Uh, we spend a, a great deal of energy, as a, a, again, particularly at Christmas time, it, it becomes obvious to me. But we spend a great deal of time and energy trying to generate our own light. I think I think Tim Kimmel coined the phrase that we're we're all image managers. We all, we, all, we all want you to believe something about us that may or may not be true. So we spend a great deal of our day and of our energy each day trying to, trying to maintain that facade, the, the idea of, of being an image manager. So, I, I, so again, that's, I think, why that, why that tune, This Little Light of Mine, came up, because it, it becomes about us, right? This Little Light of Mine, and we... We feel like we have to shine that light rather than letting Jesus Christ's light shine through us. Uh, So whether it be uh, Christmas lights, this little light of mine, uh, or giving gifts. Even giving gifts becomes a selfish thing. You would think not, right? But I remember remember one day trying to uh, impress my, I had a nephew. This was back in the day when Hulk Hogan was big. You may remember Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was a, a big deal for a while, and there was this, there was this uh, doll that was this size. I shouldn't say doll, it's action figure. A action figure, uh, Hulk Hogan, that was like the toy of the year. Everybody was after this Hulk Hogan. Um, well, I wanted to get one of those so I could give that to my nephew, and, uh, and then he would think, but you're the greatest uncle ever, right? So I looked everywhere for this Hulk Hogan. I finally found a Hulk Hogan to give my nephew, and I thought, oh, this is cool. He's going to open this on Christmas Day, and, and I'm going to be like the hero, right? This little light of mine. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about myself as I'm giving him Hulk Hogan. So I remember the day vividly. He, he, uh, he and his two sisters there on the floor ripping apart Christmas presents. He gets to mine. I want to make sure I've got the camera out. You know, I'm ready to film this whole thing. He, he rips open the present, looks at it, and, and he screams, i hate hulk hogan and he throws it down and and he runs into his room oh i was i was so defeated by that i i and i realized at that point why am i giving this gift is it about him is it about me it was more about me than anything now i I know you're wanting to know what happened to hulk hogan it's okay it all worked out pretty well because he had, as I said, my, my nephew had two sisters, and they took Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan became um, Barbie's uh, ice, ice cream man. So <laughs> he, had, he had the action grips. He could hold the ice cream cones well. So all, everything worked out just well. Hulk Hogan. Uh, so sometimes that, so, so, we, so we work really hard to make our light shine. Further. Even giving of gifts uh, can be a, a thing. Uh, I, I had a. This is on a sad note. I had a someone that I work with. He was talking about the fact that he was going to have to take some days off prior to Christmas, uh, because um, his his wife's mother had passed away, and, and so he's explaining to me that um, that he was going to take these days off, and he said he said to me he said uh, looks like it's not going to be much of a holiday. And I thought, okay, I. I get it. I understand that kind of does take the merry out of Christmas. It does it does take away some of the festiveness out of Christmas. But but think about the meaning of Christmas. This light that has come into the world as 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 Matt said, you know, this this is our life and the Logos, the eternally existent one comes into existence and meets us on our plane of existence the Logos being eternal life, and, and that eternal life, that promise of eternal life that he brings is with us, that's the meaning of Christmas. So I, so I know, I, I get it. I, if, you've, if you've lost someone, this may not have been the merriest of Christmases. Uh, it, does, it does take away some of the festiveness of it. But, but why does it... Why does it impact the holiday? Doesn't it, doesn't it magnify the work of Jesus Christ, that Christ has come to this world, the Logos, the eternally existent one, has come and, and has taken flesh to tabernacle amongst us, John says, to live amongst us, to offer us life. So, so he is the Logos, the eternally existent one, he is the light. He comes to bring illumination to us and, and understanding. But ultimately, he is the life. John, John transitions from from logos the first part of John chapter one. He mentions the logos just a few times, and then it never comes up again in his gospel. Uh, and, and then, and then the word life becomes very prevalent in John's gospel. There. Uh, and it shows up 39 more times. Life is mentioned once in the first two chapters of John and then 39 more times in subsequent chapters. So what, what I think John is saying is, is this logos, you Stoics, uh, this, this word, you Jews, this, this eternally existent one, this light that has come and has fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, this light is, is not just a concept. Not just a philosophy, uh, not just something to be left in a book, but, but this is to offer you life. Jesus, uh, and, and this will be John's refrain for the rest of the Gospel of John, which we'll, again, we'll pick up in John, I think, chapter 7 when Eric is back next week. But, but I want you to notice how many times life occurs in the rest of John. 39 more times. We we know it. The kids can help me with this one because we know it in John 3, right? John 3:16 says what? For you you kids, repeat it with me. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him, shall have not perish, but I screwed it up, didn't I? <laughs> I'm telling you. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. This, this Jesus, this eternally existent one, offers life. John three thirty six. whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John 4, whoever drinks this water, Christ uses a water analogy, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life for just as the father john chapter 5 just as the father raises the dead and gives them life even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it the son has the life very verse verse 24 of chapter 5 very truly i tell you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life uh why did he choose to reveal himself? Why did the eternal existence come to this earth? So that we might have life. John says so that we might have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. Uh, Eric frequently takes you to John chapter 20. There is a verse in John chapter 20 which is kind of synopsis of the entire gospel of John. and And what it says are the three things that are included there in John chapter 1. It says, but these are written, these things, he's talking about, He's talking about the miracles and the things that happen. He says that these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the light. He is the Son of God. He is the Logos, uh, that you may have life. Jesus Christ is life, and that you may have life in his name. And so I guess the conclusion is fairly simple, Uh, and and it is that question. Do, Do you believe? It is through this belief that we inherit the eternal life and we become sons of God. So do you believe in, in, in what Christ is, and what Christ has to offer? He is, he is the Logos to the Stoics. He is the Word to the Jews. He is the light to the Gentiles. And, and it is through Jesus Christ, all that is true, but it is through Jesus Christ that we have the life that is offered, the eternal life. And so I would invite you to believe this morning. If you haven't ever trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's a simple process. There's there's nothing you need to say. There's no formula. There's nothing like that. It's simply a matter of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's a simple prayer. I don't even have the words for it for you. It should come from your heart. But just invite Jesus Christ into your life and say, I trust you. It's simply a matter of placing your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is the life that is offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you. Fathers, I thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your action in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, at the right time, in the fullness of time, to come to this earth to offer this life, Uh, that we needed it it was a dark place Uh, we looked for light you gave us light we thank you uh, for all that you do for us but particularly for your salvation through your son and and by believing that we can have life in his name we thank you uh, for all that you do for us we thank you for what you have done for us and uh, we thank you in jesus name amen